that's that's got all sorts of implications in it and an innuendo. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. We're your hosts. My name's Cortland. And I'm Brandon. And in our podcast, we take apart each episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, scene by scene, and discuss it in detail. This show is prime early 90s Canadian acting at its best, or in some cases, worst. We're here to laugh our way through seven seasons and 91 episodes. So whether you're a fan of the show, Dink. That's hard dough. No, mister. Accent on the dough. Hi, Andy. Won't you come play with me? Hey, we're just having a goof. Or experiencing it for the first time. We know there's nothing better than staying up all night with a scary story. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. This is a horror and true crime podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Young-Ray with my lovely co-host, Sunshine Bellon. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. We are finishing clowns! Yay! Yay! This has not been, like, the most traumatizing series, but I am definitely ready to be done. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've been doing it for so long. Yes, so, so long. Now, that's partially because we've been, like, we shortened our episodes so that we could post Mm -hmm. more regularly. And so this probably would have been a three-episode series if we were doing it the old way. But Mm -hmm. we were not. So we spent years. (laughs) Years. Years. And we've both just had... My recording ability has been compromised by my dogs, and you were sick, and I was sick. And so it just feels like we've been... Not only producing more episodes, but a lot more drawn-out process this time. Yeah, it's been so, so crazy the last little while. I feel like this month I've just been, like, in a constant state of, where am I? (laughs) Yeah, I think I have too, and that's what I realized today. (laughs) (laughs) Now that the month is almost over, I'm like, oh, well, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an idiot. (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's something in our water. (laughs) Just Utah water. Mm-hmm. Or podcaster water. Sodium fluoride. Alright. So. Oh my god! We're gonna be finished with spooky clouds! I'm so excited! Okay. Okay. So, let's do our last episode on spooky clowns. Yay! And this is absolutely a climax episode, so enjoy. Get it. Get it. You get yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Climax. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Last episode, we had like an entire fucking riff on Weary Willy. Oh, yeah. Erectile dysfunction. Oh, my Has God. anybody tried that, by the way? Uh, well, it only just came out today, so I haven't heard a whole lot of feedback. Yeah, well, fair. So, dick jokes aside. <sighs> yeah. Let's. I'm sorry. I don't let's know. Let's finish my up is. clowns. I'm sorry. You're fine. Yeah, let's. <laughs> We're just doing that thing that we do. That I said I wouldn't do. <laughs> Alas. <laughs> okay. 
So we're going to talk friendly clowns for a little bit, and then we're going to go just dive straight down. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So 1960s-ish friendly clowns. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is not... This is not the first time that we have good clowns. You know, carnival clowns were good clowns, generally speaking. Most- right, where their purpose wasn't to be inherently creepy or sad. Yeah. In fact, it's probably true that clowns' purpose was never specifically to be inherently creepy or sad. Or unsettling. Yeah, it was meant to be a form of entertainment. Right, a joyous, happy thing. But it, it is... A lighthearted thing. Yeah. It, the, I mean, from what we've been talking about since the very beginning, it's pretty clear that clowns have always actually been pretty unsettling. Right. You know? Whether or not that's the intention. Yeah. When did we become afraid of clowns? Like, always. 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 We've always been vaguely uncomfortable with clowns. Yeah. So basically, the 1960s isn't the first time that we have... This idea of good clowns, it's just when good clowns whitewash away bad clowns. Okay. Which is pretty fucking like 1950s, 1960s steez, if you know. Right. Leave it to Beaver, even for the clowns. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to pretend that the world is fine. You know, like all of the, oh, let's go back to the good days with the 50s. And it's like, maybe if you are a straight, white, wealthy man. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone else, how about we give that a big old fuck that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the 50s can go back to fuck that a stan. Yes. Which is a word that is programmed into my phone. Uh, great. I'm great. just really happy that I can just swipe and it'll fuck autofill that fuck that a stan. It's pretty great. So, so, the 1960s friendly clown, there was quite a few, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, Howdy Doody, Clarabelle the Clown, yada yada. Mm-hmm. But there's two really main ones. The first one being Bozo the Clown. That's and- another, I, I saw his picture before I read, uh, you know, your caption with the name. And I mm-hmm. immediately recognized that clown. I was like, I know that fucking clown. Oh, do Which you? Which is weird. Because I don't ever remember watching... I don't have a solid, like, you know, memory to attach mm-hmm. that to, but I just thought it was interesting that as soon as I saw the picture of Bozo the Clown, there was, like, this spark of recognition. Like, I know that clown. I did not recognize him, but I didn't watch clown stuff. Like Neither I was did try- I. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's my point. So I just, I, I always am intrigued by things, uh, like, we were kind of talking about the whole, I'm afraid of this, or I don't know why, or I know mm-hmm. this, but I don't know why, like, that sort of thing. Like, that's definitely an image that is in my brain, is Bozo the Clown. Yeah. Well, it's definitely part of the social ether. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people grew up with this as a friendly, good image for them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people did like Bozo the Clown. It was, you know, specifically for, like, children's television. And, okay, so here's kind of the thing about Bozo the Clown. And this is kind of where this friendly clown thing comes from. So, Bozo the Clown was created in the late 1940s, like 1946 to 1949 area, and became famous largely because he was one of the first franchised characters. 
So essentially okay. a bunch so of different people, people played the same character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so it was kind of like an early attempt at creating franchise, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I mean, it's sort of funny, but it was that 1950s, 1960s materialism that right. created Marketing the and friendly capitalism clown. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Friendly, friendly, bubbly, like, kind of yeah. clowns are way easier to market than like, sad depression era clowns that are making a social statement yep right like you can't really market that so well oh absolutely yeah and so it it became a really really incredibly popular kids show that peaked in the 1960s okay but it actually was on the air for quite a while and had quite a few different people play him Mm -hmm. now another example of franchised clowns is Ronald McDonald. Which... Seems he's always made me uncomfortable. Really? Yes, I've never been comfortable with Ronald McDonald. That's that's fair. I feel like I didn't used to be uncomfortable with him. I don't know. I don't know. Ronald McDonald is weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the thing with Ronald McDonald, he was actually created by one of the voice actors of Bozo the Clown. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's How kind of a cool thing is that like franchise clown becomes franchise clown. Uh-huh. And again, he was created to become franchise for McDonald's. Okay. And he actually didn't start out looking like what we know now at all. Uh-huh. He had this like milkshake nose. He had like a, a Dixie cup for a nose that was like tied onto his face. And he had this like straw hair that came out of basically one of those old timey like fast food serving trays on the top of his head oh dear he looked really weird he was a very very weird looking clown and then i think it was like the 70s that he kind of became more like what we know they were trying too hard to make him a mascot and it just didn't play out well i guess yeah he just sort of evolved into this and he's been this for god at least 30 years He's been this for a while, but yeah, he did not start out looking like what we know him to look like at all. (laughs) So, you know, we have this 1960s friendly clown. That said, Mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald has basically become the modern Joe Camel of fast food and commercialized unhealth. Right. It's not really a positive image anymore. Yeah. So like... You know, he's still he's still used for McDonald's. There's still like a whole bunch of weird baggage with McDonald's that I actually did go in and research because I'm a mm-hmm. fucking weirdo like that. And it seems like they're not going to, you know, hang him up just yet because he's used for like the Ronald McDonald house and like a bunch of like charity shit. Right. Yeah. That is good for McDonald's image. But because his whole thing is essentially selling junk food to children... He's getting a lot of hate. Yeah, but is that really, I mean, that's not the clown, that's McDonald's. Yeah, it's McDonald's, but it's directed at the clown the same way Joe Camel being, hey kids, smoke, it's cool, because it was a fucking cartoon camel, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, basically, he's becoming a symbol. Yeah. And so, and I don't know, I think that's another kind of interesting way to look at that is ronald mcdonald again 
somehow managing to fall into that simultaneously good and sinister that we right. keep finding clowns That's in. That's just like, it's like clowns are gravitationally drawn to that uh, dichotomous existence. Yeah, it's like they can't not. <laughs> they can't not. They, they have to be both good and sinister. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, this period of time isn't the first time clowns are considered good, but it is when history kind of whitewashes into this strange idea of totally innocent. Yeah. So let's take away every last shred of innocence, shall we? Yes. Okay. Let's get big dark. Right off the bat, there's something that I noticed that I kind of love. Okay. And I know that's terrible. That's but <laughs> I really, these pictures that you have, mm-hmm. I think it definitely adds a huge layer to the creepiness and the spook that as far as I can tell in our timeline, this is the first time we've had both the, what you were just barely talking about, that super, that appearance of that super friendly, like kids party clown. Mm-hmm. And then masking something super terrible. Yes. Right? Like, that's... Oh, like every, every Yeah. Like, everything we've had up until this point, clowns are unsettling because of their own tragic backstory mm-hmm. or because of the nature of, of their show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, next level... Oh, yeah. Scary yeah. because it's the... An- because the, the truth is the antithesis of what's being presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said... You know, this is definitely our climax episode. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that we would have even touched on why our clowns scary if it weren't for the fact that John Gacy exists. Okay. You know, I think yep. that he I, I think that clowns would have been creepy and sinister and yada yada. And we always would have had some some level of this is spooky mm-hmm. but i think that vaguely he... unsettling feeling mm-hmm. yeah but i mean like i don't know we're not we're probably not going to do a podcast episode on like why are people afraid of heights why are people afraid of spiders you know that sort of right. shit you know right i mean we could maybe we could. do a fun episode on arachnophobia the movie but... oh, that was such a good movie and by good, I mean campy. I don't mean quality. <laughs> okay. I know it was terrifying for me when I was eight, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway. God. I think I watched it in junior high uh, it, with a big group of kids. So, like, it was just it was just fun. It was just ridiculous yeah. and fun. Yeah. But, but, yeah, no, this is definitely... He's so horrid. Mm-hmm. And the... The fact that he was also a birthday clown, I, I mean, I don't think that he performed at birthdays, but he performed at, like, parties and charity events and that sort of, you know, he was a friendly clown. What we think of as the birthday clown, yeah. Yeah. And that's so sinister. Yes, you know? that specifically it's, is. Yeah, it's the reason that, you know, we're horrified by the Boy Scout leaders or the priests who molest children. Right, you know? because it's so bad. Because you're like, I want to trust you. You are, you know, supposed to be trustable. You're supposed to be, like, good and friendly and good for kids. Right. And you're 
evil. <laughs> right, exactly. Not not like you're, oh, like you're something like a haunted house where you're vaguely creepy, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, like actually you are meant for kids. That's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. It's so, like a betrayal of trust. Exactly. Yeah, and so I think that, and especially coming out of the 1960s when we've got mm-hmm. these like, because this happened in 1970s, you know? So basically, we've got this freshly whitewashed perfect clown. Uh-huh. And then it totally betrays our trust with this man. Right. Nearly instantly. Yeah. So, uh, so, so John Wayne Gacy, we're probably, uh, I'll let, I'll let our listeners decide. This is obviously going to be a quick rundown because it's in the mm-hmm. middle of a different series. Yeah. And so if you guys want us to do a whole series on John Wayne Gacy, I'm 100% open to doing that. But uh, for now, we're doing the, the speed version. Yes. You know, quick rundown. Quick we can rundown. totally get deeper into Gacy if that's an uh, area of interest for y'all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um, also, quick aside, just want to touch on Dean Coral real quick. Mm. Remember how I said that I really wanted to do Dean Coral before we did Scary Clowns? Yes. So I just want a quick reminder. Uh, Dean Coral was confirmed active between 1970 and 1973. Okay. He killed teenage boys. He mm-hmm. used his weird job to groom them. Right, he his used, candy man job. Mm-hmm. He used drugs and alcohol to lure them. He mm-hmm. used the weird handcuff trick to capture them. And mm-hmm. then he used a torture board to assault them. Then he buried them under his properties. Yes. Okay, that's my quick reminder. Just uh, keep that in your head while I'm telling the story, okay? Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking about the candy man. You're thinking about the candy man. And I'm weirdly suspicious about Mr. Gacy. You should be. He is a weirdly suspicious man. And also, he's the worst. So, John Wayne Gacy was born March 17th, 1942, and mm-hmm. named after his father's favorite actor, John Wayne. Of course. So, that already kind of establishes this weird, hyper masculine expectation. Right. You know? Of course. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's just a thing that is ever present in his life. So from a young age, he was abused by his father for not being manly enough. Mm. And he had, I believe, two sisters mm-hmm. and was also pretty close with his mom. He was close with his sisters and his mom. And right, he had like a I'm heart. Sure was a problem. Mm-hmm. He had a heart condition, which made it so that he couldn't really be as physically active and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so just everything was like not good enough for his father and his father would basically beat him for being you know i think he referred to it as a fruit picker but gay yeah you know you're six year old or whatever (laughs) right yeah at the age of Because that's what you actually get from toxic masculinity in the era of the 50s. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's super great. <laughs> so at the age of nine, he was sexually assaulted by a family friend. 
Mm. who ran a uh, contracting company. Okay. So it was basically like he would take him for rides in his truck. Ugh. Yeah, super not great. And he didn't tell his dad because he figured his dad would blame him and think that it was some gay shit or whatever, and you know? he probably would have. <laughs> which, which is something that we talked about when we were talking about Dean Coral is, like, boys having a hard time even telling their family about the creepy dude molesting them because homophobia (laughs) there was some bullshit with some gay shit hell yeah no homophobia comes up pretty much hard with every gay serial killer or just yeah i think people tend to forget how much homophobia impacts like children who don't necessarily have a sexual identity yet yeah yeah and like this you know totally was impactful for the rest of his life in the shitty things that he did to other people. So also at the age of 11, he suffered a traumatic brain injury. Oh, which uh, just has a tendency. Basically there's like the McDonald triad and then there's also TBI, you know? Right. Right. And like they've shown in football players, TBI leads to, Impulse control issues and increased aggression. Yeah. And I don't know if that's across the board or if that's more specific to certain types of brain injury, but that I'm is not a sure thing. if they've found exactly like where the brain injury is super important or well, if it, like, yeah. I know that specifically with football players, they get a lot of injury to their prefrontal cortex, which I know yeah. I talk about a lot, but it's a super important part of your brain. It's all and... of your planning and emotion regulation. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, that's why I said specifically with football players, the kind of brain injury they get tends to uh, tends to lead to that increased aggression and like poor emotion regulation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I and I think that you find it in a lot of serial killers' stories is that like mm-hmm. you know when they're under the age of eighteen, they have a traumatic brain injury, and sometimes that's a huge uh, personality change. And sometimes that's just a thing that's part of their childhood. Right. But I I don't know that it's most. I haven't done the research, but it's certainly substantial. There are a lot of serial killers who have a traumatic brain injury in their background. Right. Which, again, makes sense. Yeah. So Gacy left home in 1962 at the age of 18 uh, to essentially get away from his dad. And and he found work at a mortuary in Las Vegas. Hmm. And he has this story about getting into the casket with one of the bodies. Oh, no. And, like, sleeping next to it and kind of, like, caressing it. A little bump and grind. I don't think he fucked it. I didn't but... say fuck. I said bump and grind. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so like specific, like like a very literal version of bump and grind, not the yes. euphemistic version of bump and grind. Yeah, yes, I guess I essentially not, not in a euphemistic way at all. <laughs> but he he ended up returning home shortly after this event. Okay, that sounds kind of traumatic. I can see why maybe he'd be like, maybe I shouldn't be left alone. Yeah, I think that's kind of what happened. Is that like eighteen year old him was like, mm, this is weird. I should go home. <laughs> <laughs> So he ends up going to business college. He got a job. He climbed the ladder to management. He got married. Oh, really? He had two kids. Oh. With this woman. 
And he joined quite a few volunteer organizations, including like a few Democratic Party something somethings. Mm -hmm. He joined some Catholic volunteer organizations and most importantly was the U.S. Junior Commerce or the JCs. Which is like a, a leadership, networking, business, yada yada organization. So was that specifically for youths or is it just junior as in like not the senior as in like where you start out? Uh, it's junior as in under 40. Okay. Yeah. So according to Gacy, this is the first time in his life that his father actually told him that he was proud of him. I just am wondering, and this is totally just reading into the motivation of terrible people. Do you think that he was, with all of these clubs and volunteer things and social activities, do you think that he was trying to fit in to serve his own dark purposes? Or do you think that he was just desperately trying to be normal? I think he was trying to please his father Mm -hmm. by getting a bunch of leadership positions. Okay. And I think I think it's a really complex thing for him mm-hmm. because I think it's both like this selfish dark desire for power and control mm-hmm. while also being this weird masculinity I need to live up to this to my father's idea of what a man is. Right. I think it's I think it's both of those. Right, you know, that makes yeah, okay, the, cool. the the classic serial killer power control yada bullshit, and the I'm trying to please my father yada the, bullshit. The I'm not good enough. Please yeah. love me. Yeah, neither of which is particularly good reason to no, do volunteer work. No, but even <laughs> when we're doing a brief, uh, uh, you know, a more brief summary of people like this, it really helps me to have even a slight speculation on their kind of. The nature of their motivation or the nature of their drive, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, John Wayne Gacy is a classic, so you know I've researched him a thousand mm-hmm. times. So I yeah. know this story pretty good. I'm just not giving you the whole story. Oh, yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't want that whole thing right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, not right now. <laughs> Maybe later. Let us know, listeners. But... So yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think, again, it's the, it's the dichotomy. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> So this is also when he started really dabbling in both gay stuff with his buddies. Mm -hmm. Like that was apparently like a weird part of the JCs was, was kind of this pervy sex stuff. Interesting. And also assaulting teenage boys. Less interesting. Yeah. So basically he was kind of experimenting with his friends through Mm -hmm. these organizations and also he was assaulting his friends kids oh no yeah so so the children of the men he was doing consensual gay shit with he was mm -hmm. molesting yeah and and these were always like teenage boys he always went for teenage boys i i don't know the age not a straight up pedophile but maybe like uh, kind of the way coral uh, was Right, that they yeah. they were younger for the purpose of control, not because he was like mm, children's. Yeah, and also because like the sexiness of youth. Yeah, the allure you know, of youth. Like an eighteen-year-old boy is just literally healthier than a forty-year-old man. Right. So he actually did get in trouble 
Okay. For assaulting one of his friend's kids. And one of the, basically one of the boys he had assaulted worked up the nerve to tell his father after a few months, Mm -hmm. which like fucking go him, way to go, super brave. Yeah. But, well, I mean, clearly the story didn't go quite the way it should have after that, but. Obviously not. to that. (laughs) But ultimately it led to Gacy being arrested and convicted. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to 10 years in 1968. Did he serve at 10 years? No, he sure did not. Oh, no. So also his wife divorced him at this point. Basically, he was convicted and she was like, how about fuck that? And she took the fair. kids left, never to be seen again. Fair. Yeah, absolutely fair. <laughs> I think. <sighs> I've I've definitely thought about this before. I I have such a broken brain but i think about that a lot when you you know serial killers and and child molesters and just people that do horrible things still end up like getting married and having children and shit Mm -hmm. and could you imagine trusting somebody like that to find (sighs) out that's how they are that's that would be just so devastating i can't even imagine it and so i think about that a lot because i hate myself and and i always just wonder like what would be the point where I start believing that my partner is evil and what would, you know, like all of that shit. Right. Like how long, what, how many signs would you ignore and deny mm-hmm. for the sake of your own, uh, sanity, protection and well being, yeah. yeah, your own sanity. And at what point, what would it really take for you to believe that somebody that you were in love with was like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, a lot. <sighs> yeah, a lot. yeah. I you, you I watch these like... documentaries or shows, you know, fictionalized whatever, mm-hmm. and you're like, stupid bitch. How could you not know any better? Yeah. Look, it's totally obvious. Like you're like, what are you doing? How much denial are you? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, you're completely yeah. taking out just the um... cognitive dissonance. Yeah, yeah, and like the nature of loving somebody and trusting them. Right, not just willful denial, but literally the the physiology of our own brain trying to protect us. Yeah, like, you bred with this person. Yeah. You made humans with them. <sighs> you kind of want to believe that they're not evil. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just think about that sometimes, and it, and it makes me super uncomfortable to think about. Because I think about bad things. <laughs> So he is convicted and he only serves a year and a half of his sentence. Okay. Yeah. That's just a thing that happens and I don't have good words about it, but what you going to do? So (laughs) when, when he got out, he just sort of started over fresh, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just short of started over fresh. He found a new wife Wow. So he got remarried, uh, who had her own two kids. He became the boss of his own contracting business, Mm -hmm. where he was able to hire mostly teenage boys. He joined the local chapter of the JCs again, Mm -hmm. a new new local chapter, one whose kids he hadn't molested before. Mm. And... This is when he creates his clown character. Oh, great. Pogo the Clown. 
that it looks like he did a self-portrait of. Yes, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So he he donned Pogo the Clown regularly for parties and charity events. And he would sometimes don Pogo the Clown for his victims, which would kind of help them lower their guard so that he could trick them into letting him overpower them. Wow. So his first known murder is in 1972, Mm -hmm. but he took a cooling off for a couple of years, which is not uncommon for serial killers. Yeah. You've got, you've got your first murder, panic, and also, you know, the come down is way longer when it's your first murder. Yeah. And then he's, he's back at it again in like 1975, 1976, and he's Mm -hmm. really, really heavy, heavily active from 1976 to 1978. Okay. When he's finally caught. So what he does is he uses the handcuff trick. So Dean Coral happened in 1973. Mm-hmm. And it was the biggest case in the, definitely in America, but maybe even the world. Like, the whole world knew about it. Yeah. And because of the body count was the biggest it had ever been. Right. And he's, his first murder is before Dean Coral is discovered. Yeah. But when he starts murdering again, it's after Dean Coral. Right. And he's using the handcuff trick. And he's using his job to get boys. And he's using drugs and alcohol to lure boys. So do you think that that's, you know, details of the case that were made public where he was like, oh, that makes total sense. Or do you think he crossed paths with Dean Coral? Or do you think that it's totally just uh, happenstance? I think it's the first. I think that basically that he read, me. yeah, he read all of the like Wayne Henley confessions in the newspaper and was like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. And was like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Gross. Yeah. Super gross. <laughs> and uh, I-, I think in particular, it's the handcuff trick that's really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. He also, um, he also used a torture board. Oh. Just like Dean Coral did. And, and this is, like, another really important part of John Wayne Gacy as, you know, what he's famous for. He buried almost all of his victims on his property, essentially until he ran out of room. Mm. So he had 25 bodies under his crawl space, and then a couple more buried around his God, his house must have smelled so bad. Oh my god, it did. It absolutely did. He basically told people that there was like a sewer line that was broken. Isn't so, that the same excuse that, uh, how was it? No, somebody else we've talked about had also buried children on their property and used that same excuse. Was that Coral? Like talking about it just stinks because of like, oh no, I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Coral saying that he was burying garbage. Yeah, yeah, Coral said that he buried garbage. Yeah, that was the night digging. (laughs) Yeah, no, he he told people that he had a busted sewer line. And I guess basically he was like such an upstanding member of the community. 
Right, with all his volunteering and this and that mm-hmm. and being a small business owner. and Yeah, no, he knew exactly how to kind of work the system so that he could hide in plain sight. And this is still kind of before we had, like, a solid FBI profiling. Yeah. And <sighs> most of the kids that he hired weren't runaways the same way Dean Coral and most of the kids that he murdered mm-hmm. weren't runaways. But essentially it was that period of time where we were, where law enforcement was way more willing to believe that a, that a kid had just disappeared and run away. Than that than an adult s- man had kidnapped them and raped them and murdered them. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's just easier to believe that. Yeah. And we didn't yet have the knowledge that we have now to know better. Yeah. And I think that John Wayne Gacy was being, was interviewed, you know, pretty regularly as a way to create FBI profiling. Right, kind of like in, um, Mindhunter. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is John Wayne Gacy? No, Ed Kemper is the one who loves the sound of his own voice. Mm -hmm. Ed Kemper was a very, very big, very, very big part of FBI profiling. Yes. But, you know, all of these 1960s, 1970s serial killers, that's where profiling really comes from Mm -hmm. so oh 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 one more potential correlation just because just because a lot of stuff doesn't quite line up right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation that john wayne gacy may have had accomplices really yeah and it's and it's just like some of the kids that went missing mm-hmm. went missing while John Wayne Gacy was out of town. Okay. And just a lot of it doesn't quite line up for this is a one-man job. Right. Okay. You know? So there's no proof presently that he had accomplices, and there may never be proof. You know, this mm-hmm. is a pretty old case. Yeah. But... It's definitely been theorized, and it seems not at all unlikely, you know? That same kind of scenario of, like, grooming young boys to bring you victims mm-hmm. sort of thing? Or maybe somebody else from the junior league or whatever? I'm thinking I'm thinking teenage boys. Mm-hmm. And I think both luring victims and also helping him kill and dispose. Mm-hmm. You know? Kind of the same thing as Dean Coral. Yeah. You know? John Wayne Gacy is kind of Dean Coral 2.0. And he just happened to have all of his victims buried in the same place. Yeah. And so they were able to count his bodies higher. Mm. And also the police didn't say, oh, we've beat the national record. Stop Let's digging. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's so fucked. And and so, you know, that's kind of, that was a big reason of why I wanted to talk about Coral first is that I don't think that, I don't think that it's possible that John Wayne Gacy didn't somehow get influenced by hearing about Coral. Right. I Well, I agree with that completely. Yeah. And also, John Wayne Gacy is 100% the reason that even though, like, the social ether knows mm-hmm. about Coral, nobody yeah. actually knows about Coral. Right. You know? And because basically, you know... He's almost like he was, uh, in a very creepy way, outshone by... Exactly. Um, Exactly. Okay. Yep. And then John Wayne Gacy didn't die. 
right. when he was caught. So he had years of interviews. To tell the story. And he would paint these clown self-portraits in prison. Mm. So those that clown portrait is a self-portrait that he painted in prison. In prison. And there's a ton oh, of those. Now, I think one guy bought like 20 of them just to burn them. Oh, that's great. Which is kind of interesting. But but yeah, no, he painted a ton of self-portraits and it totally added to the scary, terrifying clown persona that was John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then he was in prison for like like 15 years, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he was put to death in 1994 by lethal injection. Okie dokie. And his last words were, kiss my ass. <laughs> uh, you know, that's one thing. The one thing that I can like about him. Yeah. I feel like that's I mean, basically, beautiful. like, yeah. I. You don't want to be like... Oh, here's his last words because like you don't get to know the victim's last words, but like that's such funny last words that I couldn't just not say it. Yeah, no, I think that's valid. I think whatever, it's fine. It's fine. I thought it was funny. And sometimes you need a laugh when you're talking about 33 dead child murders. Yeah. Yeah. That we didn't even really have to talk about because this is the breeze through episode. Yay. Woo. All right. So, John Wayne Gacy caught in 1978. Mm -hmm. Stephen King's It. Ah, yes. Is published in 1986. Which there's no way, I mean, there's no way that he wasn't completely inspired by Gacy. Oh, yeah. Eight years after John Wayne Gacy, Stephen King writes a book about a clown child murderer. Yeah. Especially yeah. considering how long books can take to write, he probably yeah. was like, "It's like I'll wait the appropriate amount of time and then start working on this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So literally, a killer clown murders children. Yeah. So it takes place in Maine, where literally every Stephen King book takes place. Right. <laughs> and it's about of a, a group of kids called the Losers Club. So they're they're kind of some misfit kids. There's like. The fat one, and the nerdy one, and mm-hmm. the other nerdy one. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? And they're living in a town that's kind of haunted by this evil clown named Pennywise, mm-hmm. who lures children by being a clown, and then terrifies them, and then eats them, because scared children taste better. Okay, yeah. Then the kids defeat Pennywise, but 30 years later he returns and they have to go back and defeat Pennywise again. again. So that's the plot of it. Mm -hmm. So there's the 1986 book, there's the 1990 TV movie, and then there's the remakes that happened in 2017 and 2019. Yes. I forgot there was one in 2017 as well. It was, basically it was the first part where it's their kids, and then the second part where there's... Where they're adults. Oh, okay, okay. So even the 1990 TV movie was mm-hmm. in two parts. Oh, okay. So if you watch the whole thing, it's literally like a three-hour movie. Ah, uh, I see. Because it really is meant to be two separate films. Right, okay. So, so yeah, that's basically John Wayne Gacy followed by It is like the 
biggest part of why our modern society is terrified of clowns. Right. But there's a ton of other killer clown media that kind of happened after it really took off. Mm-hmm. So there's killer clowns from outer space. I've heard that of happened that, in 1990 or 1988. Oh my god, it is. It's really funny. It's very campy. Mm-hmm. The clowns don't talk because they're like literally aliens. They just kind of make weird noises. Okay. And. Uh, it's it's just stupid and hilarious, you know? Mm-hmm. Then there's Clown House, 1989. Uh, Krusty the Clown came out in 1989 as well. Yep. And is almost certainly a weird bastardization of Bozo. Krusty the Clown as in The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. When I, I, when I told you, you know, I looked at Bozo and immediately recognized him. The next thought I had was, ooh, I wonder if she's going to talk about Krusty the Clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if you look at his hair... That's his, exactly what I thought was the, the hair. Thing. And the sh- it's yeah. basically, it's just the, like... And the running the kids teal show, like... green of, of Bozo. Yeah. So, definitely a bastardization of Bozo the Clown, which is really funny. Um, <sighs> insane Clown Posse also started in 1989. Mm. <laughs> It is hardcore hip hop known as horrorcore. I feel hey. like their aesthetic is more of a <laughs> bastardization of Kiss than anything. It kind of is. I feel like they're not actually worthy of this discussion and we should move on immediately. Well, I mean, they are clowns, though. According to them. Okay, moving on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Neither do I. <laughs> then, um... I kind of want to talk about the Joker because mm-hmm. I remember you bringing it up like way early and I was like, no, 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 no. That's later. That's later. But the Joker actually kind of predates a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So the Joker was a Batman villain first introduced in 1940. Yay, because Batman's hella old. Because Batman's hella old. And he started his career as a serial killer who used Joker Venom to kill. Mm-hmm. which left his victims with these, like, wide, gaping, awful smiles. Much like the uh, 90s Tim Burton bat- uh, Batman with Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. He squirts that at people from this lovely lapel flower. He's like, ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's very... I mean, he's had a bunch of renditions, but, like, that has come back. Yeah. In, in quite a few times. And he was also Batman's first villain, which is why he was so... Pivotal? Iconic. Yeah. He's basically been the alternate for Batman. He was originally meant to only be in two comics and then, like, killed. Mm -hmm. But the... I don't think it was the show creator. I think it was, like, the producer was like... No, no, no. Let's let's make it so that he might not actually be dead. And then he was in nine of the first 12 Batman comics. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So he quickly established himself as an important Batman villain. And he was inspired by a 1928 ye old horror film. Yeah. Horror, drama, yada, yada. Yeah. It, it was horror in some ways and not in others. Called The Man Who Laughs. Interesting. Based on a Victor Hugo novel of the same name. Which means that 
because Hollywood is Hollywood and Victor Hugo is Victor Hugo, the novel has a much sadder ending than the movie. Yes. (laughs) Victor Hugo, for those of you who don't catch literary references fast, Mm. uh, Les Mis and The Hunchback of Notre Dame are probably his most notable contributions to our modern zeitgeist. And The Man Who Laughs is about a man who had been disfigured to always have an immense grin. Mm-hmm. So it's this really, really fucked up story where, like, this little kid is tortured and then, like, his face is permanently, like, mm-hmm. pulled back into, like, a grimacing smile. Yeah. And, you know, the plot line's all over the place, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much, like, that imagery is really really iconic and is definitely a big big inspiration for the joker yeah that makes perfect sense so that actually exists more in our ye old like jester Mm -hmm. kind of topics of the joker and and jesters and tricksters yeah than it does in any of this modern stuff that we've talked about right the goofy clown turned menacing Mm -hmm. which is pretty neat i think and then you kind of mix the joker that was already established in with right, our the more modern... dark psychological mm-hmm. jester with mm-hmm. the goofy murderous clown. Yeah. And that's how you get kind of our more modern versions of the Joker. Mm-hmm. But the original Joker was actually pre John Wayne Gacy and even pre the um, Hartford Circus Fire. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. And then there's a ton of modern, like, there's a movie literally called Clown that came out pretty recently about a man who gets turned into an evil clown. Okay. There's the Saw Puppet mm-hmm. from from 2004 and a whole bunch of sequels where, you know, basically the main villain isn't actually the Saw Puppet, but, like, the representation. Yeah. Is this clownish puppet. puppet. Yeah. You know? Very clownish, you're right. And so there's a ton of modern imagery that is still this evil, menacing clown. So so that's just some modern stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do one more murder? Yes. So, Marlene Warren is a story that happened in 1990. Okay. We're in Wellington, Flora, which is an immensely fancy neighborhood. Okay. Like, not only gated community fancy, but, like, they literally advertised that they had a place to store and take off your with your airplane. Oh, that's super funny. That's super what? funny. Uh, who is... My uncle was telling me... Who is it? Some actor... John Travolta, I think, probably lives in that same oh, community or something very similar to it. Somebody made a reference to John Travolta when I was we, my uncle and I watched this. Pulp Fiction together the other day and uh, rewatched uh, for like the millionth time. And he was saying something about how John Travolta lives in a gated community in Florida that he flies his airplane in and out of. This might be that gated community because I've definitely heard John Travolta referenced when talking about this. Interesting. So that's that is interesting. I'll have to. Well, I don't know if I want to go back and look that up because, like, why do I need to know where John Travolta lives to tell you about scary clowns? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll save you the hassle. You don't. Thank you. Thank you. So it's May 26, 1990. Mm-hmm. 
It's a Saturday, just before 11 a.m. Marlene Warren is having breakfast with her son, Joe. There's a knock at the door, and she answers to find a clown. Oh, no. So the clown's got this, like, full white face makeup with the big red nose, an orange wig, and is holding balloons and a bouquet of carnations. Marlene takes the flowers and says, oh, how pretty, before the clown shoots her point blank in the face. Damn. So the clown then drops the balloons and flowers and calmly walked back to the white Chrysler LeBaron and drove away. To a white Chrysler LeBaron, sorry. So was this guy's deal that he was a clown murderer or was it that like, why did he kill her? So basically police were immediately directed to Marlene's husband, Michael, Mm -hmm. and a woman named Sheila Keene, who he'd been having a like major affair with. Oh, okay. So there was a ton of evidence pointing to Sheila, but all of it was circumstantial. Okay. But basically, it seemed that she had gone to a bunch of stores, bought a clown costume, bought these weird gifts so that she could murder Marlene in this really, really weird way so that she could marry Michael. Hmm. Okay. Is that what ended up coming to fruition in the case or no? Well, like I said, it's all circumstantial evidence, and so the police couldn't really do anything with it. The case went cold. This is a 1990 case. Went cold until 2017. Holy shit. When Sheila Keene was arrested after DNA evidence finally implicated her. Had she married Marlene? Yes. (gasps) Yes, she had. Oh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty not great. (laughs) So. Oof. That's just, like, like, a weird case of, like, not only is it a killer clown, but it's, like, literally a person dressed as a clown does a murder. Right. And dressed like a clown for the sake of getting away with the murder. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, again, there's no way that she wasn't inspired by Gacy and and the popular (laughs) culture of the time as well, right? Like, Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, if you think about all of the, like, 1990 or 1988, 1989, like, evil clown shows. Yeah. That, that were coming out at the time. It's like, I know Hell what I'll yeah. do. I'll be a weirdo Hell yeah. and murder her dress as a clown and no one yeah. will know it's me. Well, in 1990 was also when it the TV movie came out. Right. So, Not so very yeah, creative. would have absolutely been the hype was mm. like evil clown murder. So, yeah, this is a literal example of somebody dressed as a clown murdering. Great. Yep. So some more modern stuff. There were those clown sightings in 2016. Do you remember those? Right, the super viral clown sightings that were all over Instagram and the internet, and people were just like, "Oh my god, why are all these spooky clowns everywhere? What's going on?" Yeah, and so I'm pretty sure like part of a viral marketing plan for the first It movie. I remember hearing one theory that it was that. I never heard whether that was confirmed or not, but I know it was one theory. Okay. I think also, so I think basically what it was is that mostly they were not real, and some of them were. Okay. And I think it was essentially, like, a couple people dressed up as clowns, and just, like, a lot of times it was literally they would just go somewhere and stand menacingly. Right, yeah, yeah, I knew that that was the shtick. 
and and it was just people seeing clown like it was uh what we were talking about when we first started this and we were talking about like a a clown out of context is scary yes yeah so it was, you think it was less a viral marketing thing, or maybe there was an element of that, and then just a lot of, like, independent social trolling? Yeah. Well, and also I think that it just sort of became, like, a viral thing, and mm-hmm. so people would just be like, oh, I've seen a clown. Yeah, You yeah. know? And so, like, it would literally be like, I saw a fucking party clown. They were just a party clown. Right. They so were going were to a party. sightings that weren't necessarily even that out of context or menacing. It was just like, yeah. yep, sometimes we see clowns. And now it's yep. seeming like we're seeing tons of clowns because people are aware of it. Yeah. So so basically, there were a couple of, like, menacing clowns who who were, like, standing around for the sake of being menacing. Yeah. I, I think that mostly it was just people freaking out. People creating a threat where there... People creating a threat where there was none and just mm-hmm. wanting to be scared almost. Yeah. I think that's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. And then... Just this year, that weird Wrinkles the Clown documentary came out. Like, this month. Yeah. Um, and also the Joker movie came out. Mm-hmm. And It, the most recent It, yeah. came out. And, um, I don't know. We watched the trailer for the Wrinkles the Clown documentary. It has not great reviews on, like, IMDb and all that jazz. Yeah. Five ninety nine for HD on Amazon. I looked at a lot of three star reviews. Uh, fun fact, you know how in the pre- how I was saying like, oh good, he probably doesn't turn out to be a hella creepy murderer because uh, uh, he's actually in the movie. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not. One of the reviews. I mean, I don't know. One of the reviews said two quarters because that's how somebody chose to wrote one half. Two quarters of the way through the show, you find out that. The man that they have, rep- they never see his face, and that's because the man who yeah. they have representing as though he's the uh, man behind Wrinkles the Clown actually is not. Ah, okay. It's an actor. That's that's a stupid twist. Yeah, and that's not even, I guess, supposed to be the twist. One of the other negative reviews I read of it said that, like, they promise a twist, but there's not really a twist. It's just kind of like, uh, 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 meh. Another review I read was that it's a pretty shitty documentary and it would only really be good if you were, like, a tween. Like, if it's a, it, it's a perfect documentary for tweens to watch and spook themselves, and that's about it. That's fair. That's fair. Look, tweens need weird horror films, too. Mm-hmm. Tweens need spookin'. Tweens need spookin'. Everybody needs spookin'. I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is just horror for fucking three-year-olds. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. So, basically the reason that I even bring up Wrinkles the Clown, because it does sound really stupid, is because during the trailer, I do remember that video of him getting out from under somebody's bed. I saw that from being inside the That was a viral video. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that way before I saw this trailer. So, I don't know if this is a documentary about a real thing, or if it's just completely out of somebody's ass, but... Basically, this weird viral fear of clowns is still wicked ever-present. And, like, profitable. (laughs) Yeah. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I I know that there are still human beings that do clowning and are 
meant to be entertainers and are trying to I, be I actually, fun and friendly. My, one of my mom's long-term friends. Uh, remember when I lived in the avenues, our next-door neighbor, mm-hmm. Suzanne? Yes. The uh, science teacher. Okay. A uh, short uh, New York Jewish lady. Yes. Uh, when I was probably 13, 14, I used to go with her every in the summer to like circuses and fairs and carnivals and stuff because she was slippy pippy the clown she drove a oh red convertible and had a full clown get up and there were a few times that i went with her and was like her little sidekick and helped her make balloon animals and that's cute you know even then when i was participating in it i was like i don't know if i like this i don't think i want people <laughs> to see me as this i think i don't this is uncomfortable but you know i do i have personal experience with a very benign clown (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean like i think that people still want to do clowning as a non-evil thing that is friendly and fun for children and all of that jazz yeah just pure but yeah just just pure and innocent and not menacing but i definitely think that like the social ether is continuing this downward trend Mm -hmm. in the way we see clowns I mean, just see also, like, I'm not that creeped out by clowns, but while I was doing this research, there was not a single clown that I saw that I wasn't like, that's fucking creepy. Right, even (laughs) the happy, cute ones, you're just like, I don't like that. Oh my god, Bozo's terrifying. Yeah. I can't believe they let people watch that that were children. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, that that was just a thing that was, I don't know. It's just interesting. It is. That's that's the story of clowns, guys. We told the whole fucking story. All clowns. <laughs> Happy. Yay. Oh, man. I guess this is coming out after Halloween or before? After Halloween. After Halloween. Just Get, after, though. People don't, like... people don't need the final Gacy information to be spooked about any children that show up at their door dressed as a clown. Although, (laughs) one thing, PC or not PC, to straight up dress as, uh, (laughs) as Pogo for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is that crossing a line or is that okay? Oh my god! I mean, okay, as far as whether or not clowns are racist, it's not crossing a line because his makeup is totally different from minstrel show clowns. Yes. Which is kind of a thing that has been analyzed. He has really pointy makeup. Yeah. Whether or not it's okay to dress up as a serial killer, I'm a I'm a leave that to the individual. You decide if it's ethical to dress up as a serial killer for Halloween. <laughs> You're not gonna take a stand That's on, on that you, one, dear listener. <laughs> I mean, if somebody were to dress up as a serial killer for like a Halloween party and like show up and be like, "I'm Richard Ramirez," I'd be like, "That's fucking cool. You're terrifying, but that's fucking cool." Yeah, I mean that's kind of my <laughs> perspective, know? right? Like everything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really agree with it, but in this situation, I do, and it's a South Park quote that goes, "Either everything is sacred or nothing is." And yeah. I don't agree with that overall, but I think in the yeah. situation of the season of spook and murderers, uh, if it's okay to dress like Jack the Ripper, it's probably okay to dress like uh, Pogo. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I think that there's a lot of power in making fun of evil people. Yes. You know? Definitely. Most certainly. 
Which and I think so, is part of the nature of, of the, ha- the, the holiday that has just passed, right? Is, is mm-hmm. making a mockery of the things that scare us as a means to uh, reclaim a little bit of power over them. Yeah. Well, and, and the way that I was raised for Halloween. So, like, I always tried to, you know, do the scary costume thing. Mm-hmm. Because my mom always raised me as the, like, Halloween is the day that the dead can walk among the living. And so we have to dress up scary so that they don't fuck with us. Hmm. So. Interesting. You want to you wanna be scary, you know, witches and ghosts and vampires are cool and all. But serial killers. Those are scary. Truly scary. And they're real. And they're pretty fucking menacing. Yeah. So. So yeah. I'm not going to take an official stance on, <laughs> I on am. whether or Do not it. it's Somebody kosher. dress as Pogo, please. <laughs> I guess I guess this is going to be published I will after certainly Halloween. Not, I don't know why I'm making that request. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm certainly not shaming anybody for for dressing like a serial killer for Halloween. If you dressed like a clown and didn't make it spooky, I'm disappointed in you. I'm just gonna say that yeah, right now. Yeah, that's for sure. I will. I will absolutely back sunshine on that one. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Ugh. All right. I think we did it. Good. I gotta. We're done with let my dogs out of their puppy prison and maybe eat some more food and go to bed. Fair. After All I right, upload let's, this. Let's do some sign-offs. Yes. Um. So sunshine's gonna be out of town for a little bit. So we're gonna. Try to do one more recording mm-hmm. where we do a couple minisodes, maybe. Mm-hmm. So if y'all want to hit us with some requests for minisodes, we'll uh, we'll put out a thing because we might actually need whatever. Tell us what you want us to talk about. <laughs> and we'll see if we God. can talk about it. I think as my brain power diminishes, I just make more and more sex jokes because not only did I make the sexy slap with the hit us up uh, I, my impulse was also to be like tell us what you like <laughs> I can't even handle it I just oh, I don't even know what okay. my problem is I'm not even like all pent up or anything it's just it's, it's just, just sex jokes are funny and just, they're yeah. the easiest thing to make jokes it, it about really when your is. brain stops working it is yeah that's like the basic that's the most base humor right there it's just like haha <laughs> nookie i love it <laughs> i love sex jokes oh god if you can't make a good dick joke then why are you even making jokes yep that's what i always say mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so yeah sunshine's gonna be out of town so we're not gonna have like a real series for a little bit but i mean i'm sure everybody's fine with having a, a couple of one-offs for oh yeah the first time in months yeah, I'm sure Months. they better be. Man, it's been a really long time since we did like just one episode on something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that's all of the news we need to do. Oh, um, Squidge hit me up on Twitter. Oh, lovely. Our our newest patron. Yes. So now I finally know who that is. Yay, Squidge. Way to communicate. And he said to wish you a happy trip. Oh, how nice. Thank you. It should yeah. be lovely. Yeah. It's very stressful. I will be... Probably in a brainless panic until uh, it's over. You're I imagine in the airplane. Oh, yeah, I think even back. I honestly think that <laughs> I think the yeah. panic is just going to be you. Vacations you are a bit aren't, of a panic. Yeah, I mean vacations are fun, <laughs> but uh, people are are selling you a load of shit if they say they're not stressed out when they're on vacation because <laughs> that shit's stressful. You're away stressful. from home. That's stressful. 
It is stressful. <laughs> but it'll it's be stressful. fun. So thank you, yeah. Squidge. <laughs> <laughs> So that's 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 a Patreon thingy. So if you guys uh, want to find us on Patreon, it's Palm Pitch Pod. If you want to find us at any social media, it's Palm Pitch Pod. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, all Palm of Pitch the above. Pod at Gmail. Tell us and what you like. Talk to us. Tell us what you communicate. like. Communicate. You won't us. get what you want if you don't communicate. It's true, and I am very talktoable. If you want to talk to me literally way too much, I am always on the Podcast Junkie Discord server. We have a channel there. Yay! There's a link to that around. I think it's on our Podbean website, but I can always post one on social media. And is that it? I think that's it. I think that's it. Thanks for going on way too many clown journeys with us. (laughs) I wish I had a squeaky nose just... Ah... Of all of the times for your dogs to not be in the room squeaking their squeaky toy. Yeah, I took their <laughs> uh, very oddly named Jolly Jerk toy <laughs> downstairs with them. That's fair. So, yeah. Not going right. to make a sex joke about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I think that's everything. Yes, I think that is everything. I'm going to right. hit stop here. You can tell Wait. our listeners I love you. Bye. Should we do that? Should yeah. we do the I love Let's you? Do bye? that. Okay. 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 Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>